0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Every, every time I get the ability to stand up here, the opportunity, it's always really humbling for me. I, I, me and Madison have been coming here for about four and a half years. And this place has blessed me so much. It's blessed my marriage, it's blessed my wife, it's blessed my friends, it's blessed my relationships. And so when Roy asks me to speak, it's it's always kind of like, why? (laughs) I come here and I get poured into so much when I'm here by every single one of you, even the people who don't know. People just who come up here and give me a hug, say encouraging things to me and my wife. You know, I walk in to the greeter team, you, the way you're always so cheerful. It makes an impact. And this house has made an impact on me. So I'm humbled and I'm honored when I get to share. I've just been thinking about all the things that have happened in this house over these last four and a half years. Just the powerful moments that we've shared together. The way God has moved in powerful ways. I remember coming here four and a half years ago, and it looked a lot different than it does right now. We, uh, the stage looked a little different I think there's only about 70 people here. And we started at 9:30 with one service. 9:30-ish. It was really anytime between 9:30 and 10, sometime in that window, we would start. And it would end sometime between 12 and maybe 1 o'clock. <laughs> Roy would preach. For at a bare minimum, 50 minutes. And sometimes he would go for an hour and a half. I remember the first time we were here, I was sitting right over there and Roy was preaching. And I remember exactly what he was preaching on. He was preaching on how when you're walking in by faith, it's better to learn how to walk in faith when you're walking on the shore than when you're walking on the seas. And I remember 50 minutes in, I tapped Madison. I said, babe, I'm done. She's like, what do you mean? I said, I've been overloaded with so much incredible revelation that I can't take any more in today. I'll catch the last 45 minutes on podcast. (laughs) And it's been amazing to see how things have changed, how things have grown, how we've grown, how we've been challenged, we've been blessed. We walked through what Paul talks about of knowing what it's like to have much and being content and also knowing what it's like to have little. I, I was talking to Roy and asked if I could share this story and he said, yeah. I think it was about two, two and a half years ago. We were starting to grow. A lot more people were coming. We were running out of seats. We had one service. And The conversation really started to begin then. What's still going on now is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We need a new building. We need something. And I remember one morning, he came up up here after service, and he said, I don't want to go to a second service. Pray and ask God what we're supposed to do. And when he said it, Patty was sitting in the front row, and she, I think she waited until they got home. She said, babe, when you said that, I heard God say, we need to go to two services. And he's like, man, that's not something I really wanted to do. But they believed the word of the Lord. And they went into something they didn't want to do. And immediately we were blessed for it. Immediately, more people began to fill in. And you could sense the hunger in the room. I remember that first service. We had two services. This 9 a.m. service was on fire. It's like everyone came with three shots of espresso in their system. (laughs) I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And just being like, we did did what we didn't want to do. And I think Roy didn't want to do it just because he knew all all that was going to be asked of so many people all the people who serve, all the people who lead here. I think it's his heart as a leader, he didn't want to overwhelm. But man, this heart is a a house, this church is a house of servants, people who love the Lord, people who love his body and want to care for them, want to make room for them. And the heart of the body began to show in that time. The heart of the body. Because he listened to a word. Because he followed it. Today, I just want to talk to you guys about one thing about the importance of knowing and listening to the word that's over your life. That word, you couldn't find it in Scripture. There wasn't Proverbs chapter 32 that said, Go to two services, Roy Gesey. It was in his heart, and he listened to it. I love the story of Israel, and there's so much truth that can be gathered just in how we walk through our Christian life when we're listening, when we're reading that story, and what it's like. What it was like to be a slave, and this, the, the way of the Lord came, and He parted the waters to bring them out of slavery, and what it's like to walk through the wilderness trusting on the Lord and what it's like to obtain the promise. And I want to say, I feel like we're in a special time right now as a church, as a body. We are moving into the promises of God for this house and for our lives individually and corporately. That we are moving into something beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. And the reason why it's beyond what we could ever ask or imagine One of the reasons is it might look a little scary. It might look like something you don't want to do. And oftentimes the promises of God are beautiful, but they're hidden in things that the flesh doesn't want to see. It says in Scripture that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. One of the reasons why it's laid up for them is that they don't understand it. They don't have eyes to see the goodness and the wealth and the riches that he has. And they're just sitting, it's just sitting beside them, waiting for someone with the heart of God. Someone who can see things as though they are, or see things that are not as though they are. Who can see the mystery in the normal and grab them. Listen. Israel engaged in every battle of the wilderness, but the one battle they didn't engage in was the one over the promise. Joshua and Caleb, they go in and they said, we see it, it's ours for the taking, but they wouldn't listen. This is why, God, I feel this in my heart. He's saying it's not just for some, it's for all. Because though two people saw it, they couldn't persuade the masses. But when Moses died, it made room for Joshua. And God comes to him, speaks to him, says, Joshua, I am going to be with you the way I was with Moses. Remember the word. Do not sway from it to the left or to the right. Meditate on it day and night. Remember the scripture. Remember the truth that I've shared. But know this word, that I have given you the promise. I have given you the land for rest, and it will be yours. And then he gives them just the perfect definition of what a prophetic word is and what it does to a man. He says it to him over and over and over again. He says, Joshua, be strong. Be courageous, for I will be with you wherever you go. Paul writes in Corinthians 14, it says that the prophetic word does three things to a man. It strengthens him, it encourages him, and it gives him comfort. Strengthen, be strong, encourage us, be courageous. I'll be with you wherever you go. Comfort. He gave him the word, and it was that word that gave him what he needed to possess the promise. And it changed him into another man. It changed him into a man who listened outside the tent of Moses. And it changed him into a man that when he stood before the people, he declared the word of the Lord and they declared it back. Their lives were changed because he let a word change him. And they all began to declare, we are strong and we are courageous. They weren't swayed by the giants in the way. They saw the promise, and that was all they saw, and they knew that if they had a word, that the promise was something for them. I believe that. I believe that just as a church body and as individuals, we're in that same place, that same tension. I had a dream a couple months ago, and in the dream, this man was showing me around this this school, this prophetic guy, and he takes me to this room, And it says the prophets on it. That's what it said. And we walk in, and he says to everyone that's in the room, go into a wall sit. Dreams are so funny. (laughs) Like, go go into a wall sit. If you don't know what a wall sit is, it's an exercise that you'll do where you kind of go into a squat with your back against the wall, and you hold it, and your legs start shaking. (laughs) I'm like, what? It's like, why are you telling him to go into a wall set? And he looks at me and says, because this is where the prophetic lives. It lives in tension. When Samuel told Saul to go and do all the things, the last thing he told him that he would do is that he would find a group of prophets and he was to go with them. And where the group of prophets lived Where they were dwelling at was on the hill of God where the enemy based the camp. It was in a place of tension. And it was in that place that Saul was changed into another man. You need to know a word of your life. You need it to convict you. You need to seek the Lord. That word we study the scriptures, we meditate on a day and night, and we say God changes. But there's something that happens when that word that's on the page, it comes off it and it grips your heart. It doesn't have to be big. I think sometimes we get this confused that it needs to be this larger than life, overly dramatic word. It needs to be like the Lion King, where the clouds open up and the voice of James Earl Jones speaks to you and says, Simba, remember who you are. I think a lot of people are waiting for that moment. But it's not the size of the word that matters as much as it is the way that you let it convict your life. and it'll help guide you to the places where you don't know what to do, where you have tons of people coming into a church and no seats left to fill. I want to read today from the story of Elijah. in 1 Kings 17, verse 1 and 2. If you want to turn with me there. This is the first time we ever hear of Elijah in Scripture. He's never been spoken of before. So This is your first introduction of who this man is. And Elijah the Chispite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him. God, I ask, Lord, that you speak to us. I ask, the Lord, that your anointing falls that it breaks the yoke of any limiting beliefs that could be in this room of what you've called us to be, of what you've destined us for, of what you've put promise over our life. God, I ask that if there's been any thought of any man or woman in this room who has settled for something lesser than what you have, God, I ask that you reveal it, you crush it, and you lead them into the truth of who they are, that they are those who could inhabit the promises. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come. And you speak to all of us right now in this moment. Amen. I love the callings of God. I love reading the stories of when he calls people. I love the story of Jeremiah, where he says, Jeremiah, I formed you in your mother's womb when I knew you. And I destined you to be a prophet to the nations. You will build and you will plant. You will pluck and you will at and you will overthrow. Ezekiel, stand up, Ezekiel, and listen to the word I have to say to you. And do not rebel against it. Eat this scroll. My word will be in you and in you will be my prophet. David, he's in the field. He's tending the sheep. And the prophet comes to him. And he speaks to him and anoints him to be king over Israel and leader of the people. But then you find a guy like Elijah. A guy that it says in the Word, in James, that he was a man just like us. And as far as we know, he has no divine moment where the sky opens up. A scroll is given to him. But you get When we first see him, he's standing before the most powerful man in the world with a word. I think the way and the reason he was able to do that is actually listed in the scripture. It's because before that, he had developed a lifestyle of standing before the Lord. Like he said to Ahab, before the Lord, the God of Israel, before whom I stand. I would like to say to you also that this word he spoke wasn't a word that came to him in a powerful encounter. I think he just saw the need in the world. Because the next verse says, then the word of God came to him. What he spoke may have not been an audible, a loud, internal word from God. I think he just shared his heart. And he saw the pain in Israel. He saw they were missing it. And he saw how it hurt the Lord, and he couldn't stand for it any longer. See, sometimes we miss things with prophets in the Old Testament. We look at some of the ways they do things, and we think it mean or cruel but the role of a prophet in the Old Testament was to protect the covenant. It was to protect the covenant. In the New Testament, it looks like protecting the covenant. It was to protect the covenant with Israel in the Old Testament. And in the New, it was to protect the covenant with all those who call on the name of the Lord. And he saw that the land of God, the God of Israel, that these people had been deceived. They've been deceived by a king who has allowed a foreign god to come in and take the place of the one who was the god of the land. He allowed Baal, a foreign god, a god of water and fertility. See, these people, they worship this god because he brought the rain from what they were told, and he fertilized the ground so they could have increase. They worshiped the foreign God for the blessing that God was actually giving them. And he said, "These many years it shall neither do nor rain except by my word." It was his, and he was convicted, and he wasn't going to move by that. Paul says it. He, he takes the word that he was given to him, the gospel of Christ. He says, This is my gospel. This is mine. And, Jer- and Elijah stood for Ahab and said, This is my word. And it will, never, it will not do nor rain until I speak it. And when he acted on the conviction of his heart, no matter how big, how small, the word will find you. I'm serious. There are convictions in us. This house is a house of conviction. I'm telling you, as you move on that, as you take a step into the promise of what God has, the word will find you that you need along the way. The word will find you. God has hidden eternity into the heart of man, yet man cannot perceive it. Because the way you perceive eternity is perceived through the spirit of God. No eye has seen, no mind has heard, no mind has perceived, no, no ear has heard the great things that God has planned for those who love him. But you have the spirit. Corinthians 2. And this spirit of God is not in the ways of man, it's not in the wisdom of this world, but it's in the wisdom of God that allows you to bring understanding to all things that have been freely given to you. To help you understand and take from spiritual thoughts and to move it to spiritual words. I want to say your word might just be wrapped up in a thought that you've had in your head. And you just need to wrestle with it a little bit. Whittle it away till you have that word. I, um, I used to think that, you know, I would read these stories of the callings of God. I was like, God, like, I want the sky to open and speak to me. I want a thundering voice to come my way. Like, Zach, this is you. When I was a kid, uh, my mom would tell me the story that when I was born, uh, my parents used to go to a charismatic church, and like the charismatic lady at the charismatic church, if you know, she, uh, she called my mama after I was born, and she said, Denise, I need to come over, and I need to pray for your son. And so my mom's like, okay. And my mom had a friendship with this woman. She, they were friends, um, and she says, she would always say she was the kindest, most loving person. But she came over, she held me, from what my mom said, and just walked around the house and prayed in tongues, prayer of the Spirit, spoke things over me, like 30 minutes. And, you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, that's cool, Mom. And I grew up and started, you know, to read my Bible and to understand the more of the things of God. I was like, Mom, who was this woman? She's like, you know what? I I forgot her name. Well, where is she? I I don't know. Well, what did she say to me? I don't know. I'm like, well, the prophetess came to the house, and you don't remember? She's like, "Uh, it it was pretty, I I didn't know what to do in the moment, but I, I don't remember. I was like, oh my gosh, that was my moment. That was it. And as time go, would go on, you know, I'd be, I'd be seeking the Lord, and I'd come back, and I, I would tell my parents' stories of things that I saw the Lord do and, and, and things that were just wowing me of how I was seeing the more of God. And my mom would just be like, just makes me think of that woman. I'm like, and you don't remember her name still? She's like, No. Well, two years ago, my mom calls me up. She's like, Zach, I remember her. I found her on Facebook. We reconnected. I was like, are you serious? She's like, yes. She has a ministry in Charleston. So I looked her up on Facebook, and I found her, and I went to her ministry website, and I was like, wow. This this is legit. This is real. The prophetess is real. So I'm like on the website, and I go look at her blog, and she has an updated blog every week, and this week's blog was about the third heaven, and I was like, "Oh my gosh. We are cut from the same cloth." So I got her email and I wrote her email. I was like, "Hey, you don't remember me. But 30 years ago, when I was a baby, you prayed for me. Do you remember what you said? <laughs> I remember put my phone down. I was like, "All right, no, yep, no reply yet." I was like a middle school boy who had just texted a girl for the first time. Just <laughs> refresh, refresh. No, not yet. Maybe, maybe she's on vacation. <laughs> Three weeks later, I get a reply. She's like, Zach, I do remember you. I was like, whoa. She's like, and this email is so special, and it means a lot to me. But I have no idea what I said over here. <laughs> I was like, God! God! The prophetess has amnesia. (laughs) I was thinking about it. I was like, what? Like for 32 years, this story was told to me. But the flip side of this is, in that 32-year period, I've hidden his word in my heart. I've heard it for myself, and it's convicted me and led me to places I never would have gone. Proverbs says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but it takes understanding to draw it out. It takes the hand and the heart of God to reach in and pull it out. See, your willingness to be obedient to the word of God will give you the ear to hear it. Your yes is important. It doesn't need to come from the prophetess, from the opening of a sky. It comes from within. It comes from right here. If he's in you, if you've given him your yes, if you've given him your life, you'll find it, And it will be revealed to you. Before people sought him, they sought him for, for signs in the sky. Wise men followed the stars, and they found him. But it was at his death he died for you. People were still looking at the sky. And some people still are today. They're waiting for something. They're waiting for an Elijah. They're waiting for a prophet to come. But what they didn't know was that the word that was speaking was on the ground where his blood was spilt, speaking to them a better word. And it was spilt for you so that that word could be in your heart, that could be in your life, that could be inside of you, where no man can perceive it because the only thing that can perceive that word is the Spirit of God that's alive within you. It's not the size of the word. It's to the degree that you'll let it convict you, that you'll let it change you, that that you'll respond to it, that you'll move upon it. I remember um, it was a couple of years ago. I responded to a word that I didn't really understand, but it changed so much of my life. And the word first came from, from my wife from Madison. We were in a place where I was. Um, I was in the job, and you know, it was together. You know, we were paying all of our bills. You know, it was we had everything we needed. We had, we had no lack. But I would work every night, or every Friday night till about nine o'clock. I would work every Saturday. And I would work about every other Sunday. And Madison looked at me one day and said, babe, I've had enough. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of never seeing you. I'm tired of never feeling like a family. I need you to do something different. I was like, I I got no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. It says in uh, Romans 8, 19 that the earth is groaning for the longing of sons and God to be revealed. I want to tell you, sometimes what a groan sounds like, it sounds like that. where your wife comes to you and says, listen, all of our needs are met, but there's something that's not. That's a calling. The calling of our marriage to be united together is not. A mindset set on the flesh is death, but one set on the spirit is life and peace. And then through the calling of walking into sonship with God, you follow that. The sons of God follow the spirit of God. And I didn't know where it was going, but I heard that groan. I heard that call, and I, I knew it was the Lord. But I had no idea where to go. And I remember that night, I went downstairs and I slept on my couch that night. Not because of anything weird between me and Madison, because I know if I sleep on an uncomfortable couch, I'll remember the dream I have that night. Snuggled up. And I had a dream. And that night, I had a dream where I'm at a job fair. And I go to this desk, and there's this woman, she's standing there. And she hands me a piece of paper and says, your new job starts at 9.28 in the morning. And I go to my old office, I take a stack of papers out and I put them in the back of my car and I drive off. I was like, all right. I have no idea what that means other than I do know that God has a job for me. Three months later, I find myself in an interview to go to a school that trained me for medical device sales. And that interview was on September 28th. 928. I was like, all right, we're on the path. So we go, and I needed that word. I needed to know that this is what God wanted for me because I ended up having to leave uh, Madison for, in Greenville for a while, and I was in Florida for a couple months. And that was really hard. I remember it's every night I'd be late studying, getting the stuff, you know, working on my schoolwork and everything, and on my training. And I was thinking, God gave me that dream. God gave me that word. And sometimes you got to hold on to that word because it will look like it led you in the worst place possible. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and it led him to a river. And then the river dried up. What? Did you, did you realize the river that dried up? It dried up because of the word he spoke. Sometimes the word that you declare, it will look like it has a negative effect on your life. But you've got to trust in the goodness of the Lord. You've got to trust that he's good, that he has made a way for you. So I remember I'm in this school, and it's the last night I'm in Florida. And I'm like, oh, praise God, I'm about to go home. Everything's going to be great. And I take a break from studying for my exams. And the, and the school had set up like this... Um, the staffing thing. So I was going to transition from, from training into job placement where they would place me somewhere. And I was to take a break, and I lay down, and I was going through the words that I've received over the last year on my phone, of all my dreams I've had. And I don't know how I missed this, but I had a word that said, in the coming year, you're going to go to a trade school, and it's going to train you for a craft. And you're going to do well. But it's going to be a really long time before you can find a job. But don't worry. It's part of God's plan. I'm like, God, what are you doing? I I don't get this. But then for the next several months, that word kept me. It kept me. And I knew, I knew he had me. I knew he had me. And then, I remember it, for three months, I, I, nothing worked out, it seemed like. I was like, God, this is your word. It's happening. It doesn't look good. And I ended up going and uh, doing something different. I ended up working for Colin Sickler. Many of y'all know this guy. He you know, he sits over here. He has a concrete company. I was like, man, this is not in my skill trade. (sighs) And I remember that first day. Now, I want to close with this right here. But I remember on that first day, we worked about 14 hours. It's like 84 degrees outside. And I came home, and I could only mumble to Madison. Eat a bowl of cereal, I'll take a shower, and I get, get in the bed. And I have another dream. And in the dream, I'm, I'm forming up concrete. I'm oh like, God. And I'm drilling holes in it, and I'm hammering rebar on a garage wall. And while I'm doing it, a voice speaks to me in the dream. And it says, Zach. This is what I'm doing with you. I'm doing with you what you're doing with that rebar. I'm stabilizing you. I'm making you secure in the ground so that you will be unmovable. So that when the outpouring of God comes, when my outpouring comes out, you will not be moved. But you will be able to hold it together. The next day I go to Judd. One of the guys who worked with, I said, Judd, why are we putting rebar on the garage wall? He said, Zach, this is the thinnest place of the structure. And throughout the building process, many machines will come in and out. Many other workers will come, and they'll bump up against us. This is the thinnest place. It has the easiest potential for to fall apart. But we put this rebar in here to keep it secure, to keep it immovable. That's what the Word of God does over your life when you have one. It helps you navigate the thin place. The place that man can't give you an answer, that it can only come from the heart and the Spirit of God. It helps you navigate the thin place because the road is narrow and you need a thin Word to walk it. There's a story in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where Jehoshaphat, he's a king and he finds himself in a difficult situation where all these armies have joined together to come against him and he doesn't know what to do. So he does the only thing he knows to do. He seeks the Lord. And he calls for a fast over all of Judea and he calls them to pray. And in the middle of it, this man speaks out. He's only mentioned one time in the Bible, and he declares the word of the Lord of what they are to do in order to withstand the attack of the enemy. And they end up being victorious. And as they go out to do it, he turns around, he looks at all Judea, and he says this. He says, listen to me. If you listen to the word of God, you will be established. And If you listen to his prophets, you'll find success. I want to tell you, that if you meditate on his scriptures, if you don't veer from it to the right or to the left, you will be secure in your life, and you will be established. But if you allow him to guide you in those thin places, you'll find success, and you will advance into the promised land of your life. Israel, engaged in every battle of the wilderness, but they didn't engage in the one over the promise because they needed a word. Listen, guys, you need a word over your life. It doesn't have to be the biggest. It just has to convict you. It doesn't have to come from a big booming voice or its own dramatic Disney encounter. It just needs to grip your heart. Two men, Joshua and Cale, they couldn't enter the promise together. They needed everyone to come together and say we're strong and courageous. When Dylan says those things, I need that. I need the body. I need friendships to speak those things and remind me of what he said. Joshua reminded the body. He reminded Israel the word of God. And they were strengthened. And they gain encouragement from it. We need that thin word. So God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us ears to hear. And I just pray, Lord, for the willingness of our hearts, God, that in this time, that you would just have our yes. We just say we give you our yes, God. We know the promise that you have for us is great. And it's beyond whatever we could ask or imagine. And sometimes that might look scary. But we know who you are, and we know you're good. Right now, if you would say that, you've said many times in your life, you're like, well, I, that's, that's not me. I don't, I don't have a call in my life like that. I, I just, I'm just called to do this. I'm just doing this with my life. That person, he's doing something great, but that's just not me. I'm just doing my job. I'm just loving my family. I'm just this. If you had the word of God over your life, it would never be followed with, I'm just. You would see the importance of what it means to stand before the Lord with this assignment, with this call, with this word. See, your call, everyone's call in life is to know him. And it's through the knowing him that he speaks to you about how he fearfully and wonderfully made you. If you would say that you, you haven't felt the importance and the significance of your life, and who you are in him, would you, would you stand up? Would you be raise enough to stand up? Awesome. Awesome. The truth is, you are strong and you are courageous. and the truth is that he is with you wherever you go. And the word he spoke to Joshua just brought to life the word that was already in you. It was already in them. And those words are already in you. There's a word of God. Eternity has been hidden to us inside of man, yet man cannot receive it. The word of God over your life, the thing that convicts you, the thing that will inspire you to wake up in the morning, it's already there. God, I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you that these people were brave to stand up, that that's part of the word that's already in them. God, I just, I, I just rebuke any thought, any limiting belief over their life. And I just say that there is an open heaven over you for you to hear. His heart and his mind and his thoughts towards you his desires for your life. You are not weak, you're strong. And there's greatness inside of you. And he's been leading you that way all along. Even if you didn't know, or even if you feel like you've been wandering, he's been leading you to the promise all along. Because you love him. And you wouldn't be standing up right now if you didn't. You're closer than you think. So, God, I thank you. I thank you for these people. I want to do one more. If you got a word over your life that's convicted you, that's led you to places that you're like, God, where am I doing? But you've been hoarding on to it. You've gone through the seasons where it's like, man, this word is alive. But you've also gone through seasons where like, have I missed it? This is this even real? Would you stand up? I just want to say we need you. We need people who live with the conviction of a word, who walk it out with strength and courage, unwavering. We need you. The body of Christ needs you. They need you to stand up and say, this is the word of the Lord. Because it creates courage. It creates strength in others. Listen, the word you're carrying is not just for you, and it's never been just for you. It's been for others. God gave Joshua a word because he knew what to do with it. He knew that he would not take it and just keep it in his heart, but he would let it out and let it inspire the others so that they could take hold of the promise. You have been put here for a time to inspire others to take hold of the promise in their life as you move in boldness and courage to take hold of the promise in yours. God, I thank you, Lord, for these people. I thank you, Lord. I ask that you would just pour, just, just blow on them again. That you would speak into that word again, God. That you would encourage them. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on. That the word of God does not come forth. Or it comes forth and will not return void of its promise. That you are not crazy. You're just living from a higher place. I thank you, Lord, for these people. I thank you for your word. That we live convicted to be the men and women you've called us to be. And may we not shrink back in the face of the promise. But may we cease it so that we can give you the reward of our life when we see you again. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.